Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. My name is Mark, and I am coming to you from deep underground in the Comic Book Dungeon. And my name is Cruz, and I'm coming to you adjacent to the Comic Book Dungeon in the well-lit Comic Book Kitchen. I enjoy you recording in the comic book kitchen because sometimes when I'm editing the show, I'll hear noises going on in the background that I didn't hear in the episode, and sometimes the comic book kitchen is a heavily trafficked area in your household. (laughs) You won't... You have no idea how many times I shoot dirty looks at somebody that comes wandering through the comic book kitchen doing something. I uh, I sit on my at my desk at work and on my lunch hour I I edit the podcast and I can't tell you how many times I'll bust out laughing because I'll hear like children talking in the background or like I'm like what is that noise and I realize it's like dogs paws on uh, on like linoleum <laughs> a little jingle of her freaking tags running around exactly so you you have a cornucopia of noises in your environment yeah well it should be relatively okay tonight unless my youngest gets up because uh, uh, Mrs. Cruz decided she needed to lock herself up in the bedroom because she didn't want to hear me yakking <laughs> about comic books. Well, soon you'll be able to go back to the uh, the comic book garage. Yes, and I so look forward to that. I still need to finish uh, touching up a couple things here and there to get it ready for uh, the spring's return. Yeah, after the comic book flood. Exactly. After the comic book flood, and we're going to have the comic book wolf spider arena. And uh, we're going to see what other creepy crawly critters can climb up my leg and scare the living shit out of me. I look forward to to a return to the comic book garage. (laughs) Uh, As do I, because then I can be a little louder. Which, I'm not sure if people notice. The last couple episodes, the way that we've been recording... By having our audio isolated, I've been able to, at least I hope I've been able to, on the, it, it sounds this way on the final product, match our audio level. Because I know a lot of our earlier episodes, it was like in the first few, I was loud and you were quieter, and then I think that kind of inversed when I switched microphones. So now I think we're at a point where we're both equally loud. Yeah, and back listening to it, I've seen that we've, we're coming out a little bit closer. And, uh, you know, I try to at least pay attention to my levels a little bit and get them right where I think they need to be. Because, uh, you know, it doesn't, you can't tell, but I'm I'm basically freaking deep-throating my little Toys R Us microphone here. Yeah, it's something that it's easy for me to fix and post. And there's occasionally sometimes, too, where one of us will will be talking and then we get quiet, like our mouth moves away from the mic. I can isolate that and bring it up a little bit. So the way we've been recording, it's better. I know the first episode we did like this, that's why it was, it was a month late, was because it was it took a ridiculous amount of time, but or it was a few weeks late. But I learned a lot of tricks. I'm almost done with the next episode like this, and it's been going a lot faster. I just haven't had as much time as I normally do. Well, that's not... It's that time had to, has gone to other things, but uh, I do. I have such a backlog now of episodes, 
So I'm trying to get them out in the two to three week window. And it's weird when I go back and listen to an older episode of like, this was a current event a month ago. I can't wait to get those back in a normal rotation. And talking about that, just how weird it is to have these maybe come out like a month or two after the event happens. The election's happening next month, and I just can't wait for Hillary to come into <laughs> office and this Trump guy just to disappear. So, Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, your sense of humor about timing is funny. Thank you. Talking about timing... I uh, I haven't had a lot going on this week. I have done nothing and saw nothing. The exci- most exciting thing of my week is I uh, have been playing Star Trek online, and while my ship's traveling, I read Star Trek. That's that's my week. I'm all caught up. Sounds like you had a little bit more excitement. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all my kids were away at camp or grandma's house for the week, so I had a little bit of extra free time to myself. Uh, so, eh, I wouldn't say it's quite super comic book related, except for, I think Dark Horse did do a Tomb Raider run for a little bit. That is correct. Uh, uh, I went and I saw the Tomb Raider movie with, um, oh jeez, it's like uh, Alicia Vickerson or something, I think her name is. I gotta say, it was good enough that I want, that I feel that you should watch it on the big screen. It was good enough to warrant a theater viewing. I'm not going to say it was like the best movie and the most action-packed movie, but I think if you're a fan of the uh, the Square reboot of the Tomb Raider that happened, I guess, geez, what was that, like five or six years ago? Yeah, about there. If you're a fan of that... <laughs> damn it. <laughs> if, if you're a fan of that reboot, um, you'll definitely be a fan of this movie because there are... Um, you know, story-wise, it's... I'm not going to say it's exactly identical to what they did in the reboot. It's similar. Setting-wise, it's very similar. And actually, it's the same name. And it's basically a similar story, just altered in order to make it work for a movie movie theater screening. But there were definitely some really awesome... Like, in, in, in the game, there were some really great set pieces. And they incorporated a lot of the set pieces and a lot of the character development from the video game into the movie in a good way, you know, so it, it was fun, it was definitely a, a great experience to go watch it, so I'd say you get a chance to watch it in a theater, go watch it in a theater. We don't usually see a lot of movies in the theater, something that we might consider. I know the last movie we saw in the theater, I think, was the uh, Harry Potter movie, the, not Harry Potter, but the Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. Yes, um, yeah, we saw the trailer for the uh, next one. There's going to be another Fantastic Beasts movie. And I saw the last trailer for Ready Player One, which uh, myself and my, my theater buddy uh, James are going to go watch with our respective 10-year-olds because uh, I'm so fucking excited for that movie, man. It looks really good. Yeah, I still have that on my to-read list. I'm in this weird zone where I just I can't stop reading Star Trek. The comic books have been piling up. I haven't been reading as much lately. I just, I can't put the Star Trek down. I, I feel you. I think since we both started playing uh, the Star Trek Online uh, MMO, we've both kind of fell into our own respective Star Trek wormholes. Because, I mean, yeah, I've been playing the game a lot, and then I've been watching, you know, I've been finishing up watching DS9, I've been re-watching Voyager, thinking about watching Enterprise. Uh, I, I haven't been reading any Star Trek because I only have so much time. <laughs> I'm really obsessive with stuff. It's usually I, I have like three things my I 
I spend a lot of time on comic books, Star Trek, and video games, and it's like I'll get into a cycle with one, and the other two kind of fall a little bit to the wayside. And it's yep. it's actually I made the joke about the election earlier. It's since the election that the Star Trek has ramped up a little bit, but it's been the last three or four months where it's just been this like unstoppable. Like it's almost all of my my free time. But yeah, it's just the election kind of kicked it off with the it's because it's such an escape because it's where it's a future where people are selfless. People think before they act. People understand consequences. People consider and have empathy for other people. And it's a really it's almost uh, seductive to to go into that utopian society that we're struggling to try to create now. And I think that's why Mm -hmm. I fell so hard into Star Trek Online. Yes, I, I I could definitely agree with you there, and I I find it kind of funny how a show that is like almost twenty years old when you're talking about you know Voyager and Deep Space Nine, and, and even next you know Next Generation is a little older than that. But either which way, how two decades ago they were covering issues in their shows that are extremely relevant today. Deep Space Nine really surprised me. I rewatched that with my wife about six months ago, and how many episodes just have parallel to today's politics and today's society. It really surprised me, some of the, the issues, just how good they did at predicting some of this. Yeah, well, I mean, Star Trek's always been a pretty a visionary series. Sometimes more successful than other times, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I've been doing that. Uh, comic book-wise, not much else. Uh, I, I guess gaming-wise, uh, Sea of Thieves, playing a lot of that. That's been really fun. Yeah, I've heard good things. It is... It is such a it is such a fun game, and it's it's only got in its bare bones form right now. It's it's fun. I think Rare has an opportunity to add a bunch of little features and a lot of, a couple of little quality of life improvements to it to make it more than just fun and make it phenomenal. But that being what it is, it's a great game that basically you you can make the most out of whatever you want with it. It's not. There's not a bunch of mechanics. It's not overly freaking complicated or anything, but it's fun. It's just chill, fun. And that's that's about it. That's that's all I want in gaming. It's something chill and fun right now. Understandable. I think it's funny that we've both fallen down that Star Trek hole. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the only problem with me in the Star Trek the the game is that I usually have to move a chair about five or six feet in front of my tv when i play star trek online because it's it's meant to be a computer game and i'm playing it on my ps4 and it's got lots of small font writing and i'm fucking old (laughs) i've struggled so much with the writing because i only played maybe 15 minutes of it actually on like the ps4 like on the tv hooked up to the ps4 i played the majority of it uh remote playing on my vita or remote playing through my laptop. Mm-hmm. And sometimes on that Vita, especially if I'm having some connectivity issues where it gets pixelated, I'm like, I have, I'm really struggling with some of the menu font. Yeah, exactly, man. I'm sitting there like, I want to know what the fuck I'm doing. So I just, I just take my sectional couch. It's like super modular. So I just take one end section in a cup holder and I move it like six feet in front of the fucking TV, like center line. And I sit there in that fucking thing, and I play for a couple hours. I went in not knowing what to expect. I tried to do a lot of research, and 
like anything, there's a lot of opinions on it. But I, for the most part, I think I had low expectations going in. But for the most part, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I've had low expectations. I think, uh, I think, like we both, you know, said when we were talking about it, is it like a really great game by itself? Uh, it's kind of average. Is it a really great game? Is it a great game if you're a fan of Star Trek? Yes. It's like if you're a fan, it's great. Yeah, it's like a giant love letter to fans. Exactly. It's got so much lore in there. It doesn't always do the best job of exploring it, but so many of those issue or episodes that you play through are just chock full of little nods and references to characters or events that have happened before. It's mm-hmm. really fun to to explore those. Exactly. So, speaking of the future, what's going on in 2019? One last thing I just want to throw out before we jump into this issue. To connect the Star Trek to comic books and what we do here, we throw out a lot of listener question, and it seems like most of the, the things that I get through the Comic Book Dungeon podcast email is I get a lot of a lot of spam, a lot of, hey, I'm going to send you a million dollars, give me your bank account. That seems like the majority of communications we seem to, to, to receive at the email. But here's another... Oh, has the Nigerian prince been in touch with you? <laughs> I've talked to several Nigerian princes, or not talked oh, to, cool. but received emails from. But uh, uh. here's the question that I am opening up and I would love to discuss in a few episodes. Okay. We're talking about comic books. We talked a lot about Star Trek. I've read a lot of Star Trek comic books. I want to know your guys' favorite Star Trek comic books because it's a license that's been owned by multiple companies. Marvel, DC, Wildstorm, Golden Key, IDW. It's been all over the place. I want to know your guys' favorite series or favorite storylines. I mean, there's hundreds of hundreds of issues out there. I'll talk about mine. I want to know yours. Send those to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Comic Book Dungeon Podcast, all one word, and that is at gmail.com. I'm on, uh, I was going to say Instagram. That's not true. I am on Twitter. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Twitter at BrokenLMD. Life that's like life model decoy for Marvel Comics Broken LMD. Cruz has the official uh, Comic Book Dungeon Podcast Instagram. Yes, I've got the Instagram, and it is the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast Instagram. Just type in Comic Book Dungeon Podcast, and it should pop up. Or if you're not into that whole like the whole technology thing, which I would think it was weird you were listening to this podcast if you weren't. You can meet me in person. I will be at C2E2. I'm not sure what day or days I'll be there yet. But the C2E2 this year is Friday, April 6th to Sunday, April 8th. There's a lot of uh, fun shit already on the schedule there. But if you would like to meet some of your favorite podcasters, I'm sure they will be there. If you'd like to meet us, I will be there. (laughs) Don't be so self-critical, man. (laughs) I listen to this show. I think that we've gotten a lot better. I think that this is a, pro- a process. I know a lot of people yes. who go into this already have like radio experience, broadcast experience, editing experience. We didn't have any of that. We were just two guys who like to talk about nerd stuff. So I think it's getting better. And I think that your guys' feedback is going to make it better. But again, I think we got to grow our audience and we got to improve our product. And those are two things that we're trying to do. So I appreciate a lot of you guys who've been here since uh, episode one. And keep telling people about the show. I'm always surprised I see people from places I've never heard of listening. Keep it going and give us some feedback, guys. We'd love to hear what you think. Absolutely. Please give us feedback. I 
need pointers. We, I think we both need pointers. Some validation would be nice. Oh, validation is always good. Please validate. This, this show, I, we talked a little bit about this before we started broadcasting. This is actually, it's ended up taking a lot more of my time than I thought it was going to, which I don't mind doing, but just getting some emails every once in a while, getting some uh, iTunes reviews, it would go a long way. Some of these episodes take anywhere from two to six hours to edit. So just being able to... Just the hours I ha- we put into research on the show, I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but I mean, like to, just for taking notes is anywhere from an hour to two hours for me. That's before we record, the hour to two hours we record, and then say two to four or two to six hours to edit. So just to get some feedback from you guys would feel really good. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I, I think Mark definitely does carry more of the load. And uh, he definitely deserves a little feedback, so so please come on, guys. I yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I I uh, let's call a spade a spade. Okay. I'm just the dude that shows up. All right. <laughs> no. You bring a lot to the I, show. I, uh, I just charming, good looks and wit. No, I'm kidding. Um, you hit. But yeah. You had said somebody carried a load. Let's talk about somebody who's carrying a huge load, and that would be Kill Raven. Oh gosh, Kill Raven is carrying a big load, <laughs> and it's all saved up for Volcana. <laughs> I am really digging Volcana. She uh, she is subverting a lot of expectations of how a female character would act in the 1970s, and I've been really flying high with these last few issues and how just open and free they are. They're just wide-eyed and fancied free with the baby eating and i even yes i'm a sick fuck i've enjoyed that a lot <laughs> yeah it's definitely been uh it, it feels like over the last two or three issues there, there's either been a, a change in staff or a change in leadership direction and it's gotten better I'm just wondering if the editor here was a little, uh, the last few issues had a little bit on his plate. I believe we have a new editor this issue, and maybe that explains why that was, this episode felt different than the, or the issue felt a little bit different than the last couple, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. What do you think about this cover, besides the fact that it's very yellow? Well, I mean, besides the fact, I mean, number one, it's it's incredibly yellow. It's got jaundice. But it it is it it reminds me of Mongol from DC. But anyhow, other than the fact that it's really yellow, it's it, it's gone from uh, Amazing Adventures as it War of the Worlds as the biggest part. It is now Kill Raven in big bold letters. Bold, and it looks like almost like, like italics because it just how it's slanted. That is an. It's it's kinetic, yes. man. It's kinetic. <laughs> and he's it's no longer War of the Worlds. It's Kill Raven, Warrior of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely uh, drawing more focus on uh, our red-haired hero over here. And I, I've been a bit neglectful here. Let me just let everybody know that this is Amazing Adventures issue twenty-nine. This is the March nineteen seventy-five issue with a cover price of twenty-five cents. And this is definitely not your dad's issue of Amazing Adventures because this is again Kill Raven, the Warrior of the Worlds. Okay, I. Hmm. <laughs> We're gonna start to disagree now. <laughs> no, you know, I was just having this 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 really humorous thought. Okay. Um, what is the okay? So on the cover, Kill Raven's standing on a vehicle as he is prone to do, and he is you know slicing and dicing fools. 
what what kind of a vehicle is that? When I first picked up this issue, I was absolutely assuming this was a dino glider. And I think that if you compare the illustration to previous dino gliders, this is absolutely a dino glider. When we see this reenacted inside the issue, it is not a dino glider. It's another piece of futuristic technology. It is a snow skimmer. Okay. And the snow skimmer is a surface craft, correct? It spends some time in the air in the issue. And when they were originally describing it, I was assuming it was going to be an air vehicle, but it looks like a giant, almost like snowmobile, so I am assuming that it is a terrestrial vehicle, yes. Okay, now this leads to my final point here. It's a snow surface vehicle, and the whole cover is yellow. The sky has jaundice. Or the snow's got got a lot of piss on it. (laughs) If we're already jumping into those criticisms, if we look at the flavor text here... Fury in the far-flung future, Havoc is the Hell Slayers, and we see on the first page the, the, the title of this issue is The Hell Destroyers. However, when we left the last issue, it was this issue was supposed to be called The Day the Monument Shattered, and when we get to the end of this issue, we get that same ending line, The Day the Monument Shattered. So I think that there were some uh, editorial issues that just... Uh, uh, I agree. No, I was just I was just poking a little fun at the yellow snow part. I'd say other than that, I really love this fucking cover. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know what? Kill Raven's on the snow skimmer. He's freaking. He's in a very action packed pose. You know, he's got some motherfucker by the throat. He hates three points of contact. By the way, he does hate three points of contact. I mean, he, like I said, he's got a motherfucker by the throat, and he just got done stabbing some other dude who's falling off towards the side. And they actually got a little bit of blood on the night on the sword this time. Which is I have dope. no idea how they got away with with that. Yeah, there's absolutely like he's swinging the sword, and on the end of it, there's some blood, and this is like two inches, three inches away from the the comics authority code like approval on the cover. So yeah, they uh they were playing fast and loose here. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no wound on anyone else, so. I mean, it's just a little bit of blood on the sword, right? This is true. Maybe it's ketchup. There you go. You know what? He just freaking busted a bottle of Heinz 57. I know. I was very curious about who this individual... Like, Killraven, in one hand, is choking a guy. And on the other hand, he's got the swinging the bloody sword. And again, they're on top of a vehicle. He's, like, standing on the hood of a vehicle that it's, like, skating. It's in midair. It looks like it just skated off of a cliff. So he's throwing, it looks like he threw out a Death Breeder, which are those guys dressed like skeletons from the previous issues. Then we have a guy who mm-hmm. he's dressed in red, and he doesn't look like a skeleton, but the mask is similar enough that I, you could definitely tell that they're from a related organization. The guy, the Death Breeder, is a Cobra Viper to this guy's Crimson Guardsman. There you go. Yeah, and they both look. I, I, they, these guys look like they'd be at home, made as GI Joe three and three quarter inch figures. Mm-hmm. I think all of them would. Where the hell's the toy line for this freaking series, man? Come on. Oh, I would own those. Hell yeah, dude! Kill Raven's pretty badass. So yeah, it, and it, I, I like the cover. That's all I got to say about it, man. It's nice. It's dynamic. It's got some freaking action, some movement. You know, it, it's it's. It makes you want to know what's going on inside. It's got Kill Raven on the front, kicking ass, taking names. Oh, it would make it definitely cool. would make me shill out the twenty-five cent cover price to read it. Hell yeah! I guess that takes us to page one. Page one. So uh, it still says War of the Worlds on the the top, though. 
Stan Lee presents the oh, yeah. War of the Worlds. Right. We'll keep an eye on that. Exactly. Uh, who's it by? This is by Don McGregor, as always. He's our writer. Craig mm. Russell is the artist. Craig Russell is the colorist. He's pulling double duty this month. Dave Hunt is the letterer. And Len Wein is the editor. Len Wein? Yes, he's a new editor, but he's, uh, if, if people are familiar with 70s Marvel, they would be familiar with Len Wein. Okay, yeah, it's definitely a name change. Uh, I forget who was there before, but... Uh, it was. Yeah, uh, going back through the page. Ooh, paper ruffling. See, that's how you know he takes notes. Uh, was it like Craig Thomas or something? It was Hold on, let me, Roy Thomas. I'm going to rustle some... Roy Thomas. I'm rustling papers to make it sound like <laughs> Okay. Okay, it was Roy Thomas. <laughs> so... I got the last name I right. Have, so this issue, it starts out in Chicago, Illinois, 2019. April 2019. Mm-hmm. From there, I, uh, I gotta say this... I guess the first good place to start would be where we left off last issue. Last issue, the Killraven and the gang, they had broken into the uh, death birth, and they had saved Eve from the Sacrificer, and yep. they had confronted Adelon, and I thought it was weird that instead of killing both of them, he just kind of like punched and kicked them down. Oh, well, well you forget a, a very crucial part before that. Before that, they went to the sanctuary where uh, the Martians like to eat yes. babies. And uh, proceeded uh, to have uh, Volcana fricassee the crap out of the Martians and kind of left their burned, charred remains smeared against the walls of their little freaking dining area. Yeah, I love that we get that, we go back to that area here and we get to see some of the aftermath. Oh, I love that part. I also love that this issue uh, begins mentioning the mural phonic system again and the trans belt mm-hmm. conveyors i just i love the technology that they've created for this world yes uh, you know I, I appreciate that they're consistently calling it back you know yeah it's every issue now has a mention of the mural phonic system yeah and i'd say page one definitely is a, a striking page it starts with the close-up of uh what's his the name the sacrificer, uh, sacrificer? Yep. Yep, it starts up really close of the upper part of the Sacrificer's head, and he's got some... Okay, he's got, like, the stereotypical, like, doctor kind of thing on, but, like, it would be the stereotypical doctor from your parents' time. Yes. You know, with with the big, freaking, like, shiny head thing to reflect light so he could see shit better. Yeah, and I like that we see Hawk, Killraven, and uh, Volcanic Ash reflected in that. However... I gotta say, I don't like how this issue starts. How so? Okay, because we left, we last left our characters. The last issue ended in a very positive place. They had freed Adam and Eve, and we were to believe that Killraven and the gang had bested Adelon, the Sacrificer, and the band of Deathbreeders that had attacked them. And this issue, it's. It's like none of that happened, because this issue starts out where instead of being kicked into unconsciousness, Sacrificer is up and menacing, and this is, I just, I have no idea, this is just ridiculous, This I have no idea why they we start out the way we do, because they, when we go to the next page here, page two, instead of them being defeated, and our heroes being victorious, 
we see them running out of the room quickly to retreat. Well, okay. If you look on the first panel, Sacrificer and Adelot are, are you know, they're they're down on their knees. They're, they're on their hands and knees. They're getting up. So, yeah, they, they did get knocked down during uh, Kill Raven's assault. And, you know, at this point, Kill Raven realizes, yeah, I believe, that he's got a pregnant woman in tow and he needs to get her ass to safety. Hence why they're, they're hastily retreating. Because we get that confirmed in a page or so. And that was my theory. I'm like, are they running away because they don't want to fight with a pregnant woman there? But, like, remember, Kill Raven basically single handedly beat those two in combat and a whole squad of Death Breeders in that room. And. And again, that was him basically by himself. And now it's like you have you have Kill Raven, you have Old Skull, you have Hawk, and you have the super powered volcanic ash, and Adam is an able bodied fighter. So you have all those people versus two characters, just two, and man, they are like like we gotta run, we gotta get out of here. It's just it doesn't make sense to me that you have this huge group of experienced warriors running from two guys. Especially when one of them yeah, has I, super, like, flame powers, like supernova powers. Yeah, I could see that. And, you know, maybe Kill Raven's forgetting to uh, use the heat of the moment to his advantage. Dum dum um, But, um, you know, I maybe they're concerned about any other guards from the death breeders because i mean given it's a large facility i'm sure there's more staff you know maybe somebody maybe a smoke detector got set off when volcano freaking fried the martians or something you know and someone's going to come investigate and they'd rather not be there when they look at it i'm not disagreeing with some of those points but it's just it's it's very different from where we left last issue last issue was a very triumphant like we won like on that last page and now to go from that moment to the beginning of this one, it's like they are scattering like kids who broke somebody's window and running away. But like, while well, the cops are called, that is how they are beating feet out of there. Fair enough. Fair enough. They are they are definitely making a hasty withdrawal. I think uh, it will play out later on that Kill Raven has bigger and better plans. That I can't wait to debate that when we get there. Like it. I have so loved the last two issues, and you were not in love with them, and I, I had a feeling this might go the opposite way, this issue. But uh, I agree with you, that first page, I love that close-up of the Sacrificer's hate-filled face, his reddened eyes. Really good, really good drawing there, really good... Uh, Panel. Yeah, so I wonder as you as you as we're moving along here, and I don't think we really see it till page three uh, about what's going on with Sacrificer's face. Yeah, I mean we all know Adelon's face is all fuckered up. Sacrificer's got some weird stuff going on with his face. It looks like that he has like an like a surgeon mask on, but it's been it's one that's old and worn out, where it's like all torn out in the in the front, but he still wears it. I thought that was pretty cool. Well. I- I thought I thought it was basically torn up because Killraven freaking put a size twelve boot in his face. Yes, that that could be it as well. That could be a carryover from last issue, and we have the technology to go back and look at how it originally appeared. Yep, yeah, absolutely. It wasn't torn up in that previous issue, so it must have been him kicking him square in the face that did it. Hell yes. So yeah, in there, I guess they're in hot pursuit, and Adelon apparently has. Uh, he seems okay with it. Yeah, and that's something that we we see contrasted between the two characters. 
I like as our our heroes are retreating. They mention that it, it's difficult to run through the hallways of the uh, Hell Birth because they were meant to be navigated by Martians mm-hmm. and not by human feet. Yeah, apparently the Martians like a, a lot of mucusy like substances all over their floor, and they like their floors to be uneven so that they can undulate along with their tentacles. You know, this is this is the kind of cool little like stuff I, I do enjoy about this series is that it does have a little bit of a further detailed background that it throws at you every once in a while. Good world building, yeah, absolutely. Exactly, good world building. And we do get confirmed that the reason they're retreating is they don't want to risk hurting a pregnant Eve. Right, who's about ready to freaking pop? Like literally ready to freaking go. Like she's had she's it's it's I think she already mentioned that she's having contractions. I think that might be on the next page, but yeah, she Yes. No, page 2. Page yep. 2 she says it. Yeah, she she it does it and that's a a running bit throughout the issue. Like she's timing her contractions, letting them know that this is getting serious. <laughs> I was a bit yeah. baffled by that center panel on page 2 because it looks like they're running past a, a window that's looking out onto outer space. Yeah. yeah, it does. Maybe it's nighttime. I thought I, I'm like I. I wonder if that's what that's supposed to convey, but it's absolutely like they're on a spaceship, and they're just like. It does look like they're on a spaceship. You're right. I don't know. Maybe I'm being overly critical, but that's that is okay. Kill yeah, Kill Raven. His dialogue here, I thought, made no sense because he references the reason that they're running right now, the reason they're doing what they're doing. Is because of that he what he knows what he knows is because of his vision. He knows what the Martians knew because of his vision. That is completely irrelevant to why he's running and why he uh, he's like we're running. Why are we doing this? Oh, you forget! I saw all this through the Martian villain. That has nothing to do with anything. No, no, no. I think you. I think you. I think you're taking it. You're not getting the context of it. Um, old skull is complaining to Kill Raven. It's like, hey, why are we running? I want to beat the fuck out of these guys. And Kill Raven's, you know, he's defending his reasoning for getting a pregnant Eve out of there. But before he he does that, he 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 mentions, hey, look, I saw what those douchebags made Adam do, and trust me, we're gonna come back and we're gonna fuck him up. But we need to get this pregnant chick out of here first. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> it's just, I, I'm not saying that, that that could not be the case. It just, and this is a, a complaint I have throughout the issue. It seems like some of what Kill Raven is talking about or what he's doing is completely incongruent with what's going on around him. And there's a great scene where we'll get to later. Anyway, we will, <laughs> we yeah, can I, push on. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. I, I, think, I think the way it was written could have been better. Yeah, even if it was just the sequence of where they were putting the freaking the, the text bubbles, the speech bubbles, it, you know, I think that whole thing where he was, you know, mentioning to old school, old skull that you know what he saw through the Martian's eyes motivates him to want to kill all of them would have probably been better. A couple of uh, panels. Okay, later. I, I, it took me a second to find it back in the dialogue. Yeah, and it's just. He's like, yeah, Old Skull's like, why are we running? And he's like, you forget, old friend, I was telepathically linked uh, to one of the Martians here when Adelon made Adam lick the mud. We knew that wasn't fucking mud from his boots. 
The reason they're running is to get Eve out of there, and bringing up the thing with Adam, I feel, is just completely... It just has nothing to do with the tactical situation at hand. No, it has not, And you know what? I will say, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely a couple times throughout this issue where Kill Raven is, is not not really showing a, a great amount of situational awareness. No, he's acting like somebody who's been hit in the head a bunch of times. <laughs> yes. Good foreshadowing. But no, I mean, every issue he gets snuck up from behind and gets, like, hit in the head multiple times. Like, the warlord, or, uh, yeah, the warlord from uh, the early issues, at one point, just took his robotic, like, fist and just beat him, like, 50 times. I think we're starting to see, it's like he's a football player who spent 10 years in the NFL. And I think we're getting to see some of those shortcomings here. And talking about some shortcomings, we get some great old skull dialogue several times in this issue, and we get a good one where he picks up uh, Eve, to, so they can run quicker and his dialogue here is straight out of mice and men assuring her that he'll be like real gentle yeah 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 he is definitely the lenny of a of yep. their group and while they're running they hit the pneumatic transplacer which is such a badass name but kale raven's like yeah we're we're leaving this area but we're not escaping yet because he intends to bring the tower down which Hey, man. That has a totally different connotation in 2018 than it did when they wrote this in 1975. Oh, fuck. You, you ain't lying there, man. Yeah. They're, and they're, they're going to find a way to bring the tower down, <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, boy. But as they're running, we cut back and forth. The Sacrificer and Adelon. Because they're they're having their own little verbal spat. Yeah, they are not on the same page at all. They're kind of like us on this issue. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, well, I mean, they both kind of agree on some points, but they both have different opinions about others. I'm quite a big fan of Sacrificer. He's a cool character. Adelon, I think, is a kind of a kind of a little bitch. And he's fun to hate, but I was clearly, through the interpersonal dynamics they're having here, I was clearly Team Sacrificer all the way. Yeah, yeah, Sacrificer was all about, he he, he wanted to get shit done, and Adelon's just like, nah, I got shit in motion already, don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I think everything that Sacrificer says here is valid. He informs us that Adelon was in charge of security at death birth, and wants to know where all of his death breeders and crucible guards were. So again, the Cobra Vipers and the Crimson Guardsmen. Sacrificer, he's concerned that the Freemen are going to escape, but Adelon has no doubt that Deathbirth Debris will become their tombstones, which is a fun name. Uh, cool turn of phrase, so I enjoyed that. No. You're... You, I, think, I, think, I think one of the reasons why you're disliking this issue so much is you, I don't think you're following the scene changes well in some of this because like that's when we'll leave uh oh yes i see yeah it's it's our heroes who said that yeah because it's going it's going back and forth between um sacrificer and adelon and then it cuts over and they do they do try to uh, show you that a little bit by a slight shift in the the speech bubble color yes but yeah, it, it caught me the first couple times I had to reread it, with this page especially once or twice, because it jumps back and forth so quickly, because there's so much going on that they're trying to convey, and it's all happening simultaneously. I think a lot of my, my criticisms are, are, are still valid, but I admit that, yeah, I had mistook that dialogue. I can't wait to get to the meat of this issue, and we're going to let the fans decide. Okay. <laughs> Let's do this. Um. 
Okay, so... Yep. We're on page three. Sacrificers concerned they'll escape. Uh, they discuss Killraven, and he has the title of Galactic Rever- uh, Rebel. And they're talking about him as they head to the banquet hall, because they plan to inform the Martians of uh, Killraven's escape. However, that is not what happens, and this is by far, I think, my favorite part of the issue. I agree so much on this one. And I, I don't... I'm not saying that I dislike this issue. I just... It definitely, just because of some things that happened, it feels like maybe there were some changes in the end that they had to rush out, or maybe this one was kind of behind, and it got rushed. But there's some really great ideas here, and I ended up liking this issue, but there's some weird things that happened that I, I'm laughing about along the way. But when they, like <laughs> this point here, they're just having this, com- this casual conversation and can't wait to go in and inform the Martians, like, this is what's going on! And they walk into this melted room with just melted Martian carcass everywhere, they are just rendered yes. speechless. Yeah, because, I mean, this is it is Sacrificer and Adelon. And, and, and Sacrifice is just like, hey, I want to get some shit done. And Adelon's like, oh, I got stuff already figured out. And Sacrifice is going back and forth like, you're supposed to be in charge of security and all this shit. You dropped the ball, and I'm going to tell Mommy and Daddy and rat you out. That's ex- Basically. That's exactly... Yeah, how it went down, and they are they go into the banquet hall, and they are not expecting to see uh, all the damage that volcanic ash did last issue. Yeah, that'd be like if you and your brother, say, were like, I don't know, like, someone did something messed up, and you're like, ooh, I'm telling mom and dad, and you walk into mom and dad's room, and they're fucking dead on the floor. Yeah, there's just limp, car- <laughs> limp burnt carcasses all over the place. Yeah, they look like Uncle Ben and freaking uh, Aunt Baru. <laughs> yeah, this was really well drawn. <laughs> It was great. Yeah, it's it just the Martians don't even resemble like Martians anymore. They're just limp forms with tentacles coming off, just because of how much damage was done to them. It's like overcooked pasta. Yes, or maybe like melted cabbages or some sort of a. Uh... Ooh, yeah, melted cabbages. Yeah, really, really awesome. Like asparagus, page. overcooked asparagus yes! is what the tentacles look like. I will yeah. take that. Really, really great. And if you guys ever have the chance to read these, th- this is why, because this is some great work here by the uh, by the artist. Yeah, it, it is. You know, it definitely feels like maybe there's a little Dolly, you know, influence going on here with all the <laughs> everything just all like running. You know, it's just all melted and just dripping and. Yeah, it, it looks it, it it looks wonderful. I mean, I I I wish this was like a full page panel. I'll take the third of a page because it was freaking great. And like sacrificer is just like ah, I must avert my eyes. This is the travesty. I like uh, some of the interplay that we get between uh, with these two characters, especially with just it allows Adelon to speak on his loyalties and what he believes about humanity and Martians and why he's a collaborator. So it's a good vehicle for some uh, exposition for us. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I again, I've liked this issue. I like the last two issues better, but they're all really good. And they didn't feel like Marvel 70s comics to me. These really felt like uh, really good quality indie comics. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you, we get introduced to an interesting new piece of tech here on the next page. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> Uh, so Kill Raven and company basically they head down to the slave pens and um, they're in the communications chamber uh, above the the slave pens. 
Exactly. And uh, Kill Raven basically finds the equivalent of, like, Emperor Snoke's fucking projector. Yeah, that looks super cool, just his head being projected out of this, like, squiggly energy. Yes. <laughs> and have you seen any Star Wars movies, Mark? I, I've seen The Force Awakens. Okay, so yeah, so it's basically, you know, for, for those, for the, our listeners, if you've seen the Star Wars movie, uh, the, the Force Awakens, it's basically like they did find Emperor Snoke's holog- hologram settings where it's just this giant fucking head, and that's it. They're projecting Kill Raven's giant fucking head over the slave pens. For maybe some of our older readers... It uh, remind me a little bit of the wizard's head from the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, or Zordon's head from Power Rangers. <laughs> I'll take that yes. too. Yes, I had to go there. Yeah, and it's just the <laughs> fact that it's a holographic megaphone again is quite a seventies <laughs> name like, uh, for yes. for that technology. Uh, yes, that's great. Yeah, that is awesome. So this device was apparently used by Adelon Daily to mock the breeders and destroy their hope. And kind of like Twitter now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I had to. Oh, we get some cool ribbing from Killraven here because he informs the Adam and Eves that with any luck, Sacrificer and Adelon have found the dead Martians by now. Mm-hmm. And Adam informs Kill Raven that the Adam and Eve are going to have trouble believing this, as many of the Adams don't live long, and many of them didn't see the mural phonic transmission of Kill Raven besting the High Overlord. Yeah, yeah, and he's reveling in that, how Adelon reacted to that too. And he screamed, which we see, we see him do similar things. He's somebody that does not do well policing his emotions his free his feelings frequently show yeah yeah he wears his emotions on his sleeve and he's a petulant fucktard that's a good way to describe it yeah well so this isn't the only reason our group is in the communications chamber they are looking for the molecular disruptor which will make the walls of the like the slave pens disappear so the adam and eves they he informs them they must band together and help each other escape Exactly. But basically, our man KR is planning a giant freaking jailbreak. Yes. Which is dope. So really, he wasn't running away in the beginning. He was just running to his next objective. Yeah, which at this point, I'm like, this is a guy with a good plan. I can't wait to see where this goes. And it goes someplace, but it takes us to uh, some unexpected and weird turns along the way. I I, I definitely agree there. Some, some shit went weird a little bit. I enjoy on this next page that Adam finds the molecular disruptor, and Killraven gives him a little shit about how long it took him to take or how long it took to find it. So he get he's it's like he's trying to start a little Mashula back and like style back and forth with him, which I enjoyed. And then mm-hmm. to even further that, because we can't go a page without Volcana making uh, like a sexually explicit end of window, she totally j- uses that to uh to make a come on to uh, kill Raven, which I enjoyed. Yeah, she she definitely is a bit of a little little sexual dynamo there, just freaking constantly flirting. She's very sexually liberated. Yes, she is. She is. Yeah, talking about making Killraven's cheeks turn pink, which is uh, cool. If we were going to take this deeper, this is somebody who, at a young age, she saw her family rounded up and taken away, and presumably 
everybody but her sister she knows is dead and she has no reason to she hopes her sister's alive and has no reason to believe that she is it makes sense that this is somebody who would strive for intimacy and instead of maybe emotional intimacy she's reaching out for the lower hanging fruit physical intimacy because she's lacked that with her family so i mean this is this is lower hanging fruit (laughs) but yeah i mean this is what people do some trauma victims will do when they've they've lost their families so yeah it's a i thought that it's a good device to to kind of show some of her inner pain Right. Well, yeah, speaking of her sister, she has decided that now is the time for her to go looking through the slave pens and see if she can find her. Which I thought was cool. I did not see that necessarily happening here. We A lot of times in comics like this, you'll get a, a woman added to the cast, and it's, I don't have my own agenda, I do whatever like the male cast are doing, and this is somebody with her own backstory and her own journey and she's using her own agency to make that happen and i like that right yeah she's like okay this is where we part ways boys i'm gonna go do care take care of my business so she she lights that fire again and burns a hole through the damn wall and she's out Uh, i i can't imagine that was easier than going through the door but hey Uh, Yeah, some people like dramatic entrances, others like dramatic exits. If it feels good, do it. There you go. And she comes on to him again as she leaves. (laughs) (laughs) She is just constantly hitting on him. And, uh, yeah, Old Skull's just, like, always blown away by her powers. But uh, I think it's Eve that we got to be a little worried about because uh, she is... Not looking too comfortable. Nope, she breaks into some Lamaze breathing because the contractions are coming quicker. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I forgot what that was called, dude. Lamaze. And we get some, uh, uh, just a little nugget of backstory of Hawk. Hawk doesn't want to take Adam and Eve with the with the group because he's afraid that they'll slow them down. Kill Raven reasons with him, saying that we take them... We, we're going to take uh, them with us because that's what this war is about. If we don't, this war is without reason. Hawk thinks that Kill Raven has let Camilla Frost confuse him with her debates on compassion, and Hawk drops the bomb that he thinks it's compassion that killed his father. And we get a cool little speech here, uh, Kill Raven in a Captain Kirkian turn of phrase on compassion, that somebody without per- uh, compassion perhaps is somebody already dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're definitely discussing some of the topical issues for what they're doing and in the guerrilla warfare that they're fighting against the Martians. So, I thought that was cool to see that issue kind of being brought up. And, I, you know, I can see both points of view. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping now that we get a full backstory for Hawk. I'm very intrigued by this statement that his father's compassion got him killed. And that would explain why he's kind of a dick at times. That and the scarring on his face. So yeah, I, I, I want to mm-hmm. get some of that backstory. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. But uh, yeah, so uh, Kill Raven dis- dissembles the... Uh, uh, not dissembles, uh, disarms the molecular... What the hell disruptor. Is the, mo- the molecular disruptors. Which, you know, basically was... Uh, it, I'm not going to say it was... A, a, from what I'm understanding, it's not a shield so much as a energy barrier that makes whoever tries to pass through it feel so uncomfortable that they stop trying to get through it maybe what i took it as is it's a device that can disrupt like the molecular structure of anything it's pointed at and they use it to 
take down all the walls and the shackles that were keeping the people penned in. So it's mm-hmm. a way to be able to to set them free in mass. And I guess something like that might come in handy for the Martians to dispose of bodies or to maybe rearrange the pens quickly. Mm, okay, that makes sense. We also get Volcanic Ash. She's searching for her sister, and she is overjoyed here at the bottom of page 10 to find her. She finds uh, Melanie. Yes. Yes, she does. But when you turn the page, it seems uh, Melanie has a... Been heavily traumatized through her ordeal, and uh, does no she no longer recognizes her sister, who also has undergone some physical changes as well since they last saw each other. Yep. See, we, all we get for in terms of uh, recognition is Melanie. Is that my real name? And that's it. Those are the only exchange that they have. Melanie's Adam just kind of uh, puts his arm around her, and they walk away. And Volcanic Ash just lets her go. Yeah, I think Volcana definitely realized uh, she just needed to cut her losses on this point, you know. For a a character with fire powers, that was the coldest of lunches. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was a raw deal, dude. And I'm, I'm a little surprised here where this goes, because as Melanie walks away, Volcanic Ash feels very dejected. And we see she she wa- she walks away. She finds Killraven, and Killraven kind of reads the mood, reads the the emotion on her face. And in his own Killraven way, right? Like he makes kind of a speech about the Martians destroying their history, which isn't very helpful. But in his own way, he's trying to be soothing, right. which is a, yeah. different than a Killraven we would have gotten four or five issues ago. Yeah, but Volcano Ash is definitely still hitting on him the whole time. Yeah, but I mean, this is empathy, and so far he's been a bit of a sociopath, so that's that's quite nice to see. It's a step up for <laughs> yes. KR. He's definitely a yeah, step up. Yeah, he's either autistic or sociopathic <laughs> when it comes to other people's emotions. So I enjoyed this. Maybe both. We also we get the introduction of the snow skimmer. He sent Old Skull to to search for methods to escape, and he found some snow skimmers. So he sends oh, lost my place. He informs her that uh, Old Skull found the snow skimmers, and that they will use those to escape, and that Old Skull will. Oh no! So then she, but he grabs her because she's going to guide him to the Crucible Center. Right, and uh, moving on, we've got uh, our our two favorite flunkies, Adelon and uh, Sacrificer, rallying the troops. Oh, I just I just wanted to 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 hit on some of this dialogue on the bottom of page eleven. I just really enjoy mm. that Killraven wonders if Adelon's going to scream when they destroy Deathbirth, and. He, Killraven wants Ad Volcanic Ash to give him a tour to find the the center of the facility. She warns him that people he give she gives tours to usually get their eyes scalded, but th- he says doesn't matter because Adelon will probably cut them out if they don't hurry. Just I really like the just the kind of the pithy turn of phrases there. Yeah, well I think she was still hitting on. Oh, her. absolutely. <laughs> she, she I, it's, dude, like she's got a one track mind, dude. Yeah, she's definitely thirsty. Yes, yes, she is. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Sacrificer and Adelon are rallying the troops, basically telling them they're gonna get Killraven, and they've got these cool little like, I don't know, they kind of remind me of like the uh, the flyers from the Guardians of the Ga- not Guardians the uh, the first Avengers movie. I could see that. 
They reminded me of uh, something or something I saw in Flash Gordon. But what I yes, what I really took from this, it's say if you took a jet ski and a trouble bubble from GI Joe and combined them, that's what this would look like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I thought this was a really cool panel. We get a bunch of the Death Breeders uh, with weapons ready uh, to to attack, and they're being briefed by Adelon and Sacrificer, which are on these cool these cool vehicles. Except for it's funny, Adelon's is pink for some reason. I wonder why. <laughs> and uh, we get some really cool dialogue here. That because he informs the Death Breeders that Kill Raven and the Freemen have killed the Martian Masters. And uh, he just really revels in his perceived superiority of the Martians and how beyond humanity they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, you definitely get to see why he's gravitated to the to the Martians. He's just really just infatuated with this idea of just how much beyond humanity they are. Yeah, he's he's a he's a freaking grade A bootlegging douchebag. Yes, he is. He he definitely carries on with that, and uh, you know. These sacrificers giving out some uh, inflamed words here about uh, chasing down the humans and uh, telling Adelon to get over his freaking squeamishness because he doesn't like being touched by humans and he doesn't like touching them. That has been a reoccurring thing with him that if he's touched or if there's any perceived like filth or anything on him, he just loses his shit, like throws a tantrum. Yeah, yeah, he, he's definitely a freaking spoiled little freaking rich bastard. We also learn that the things they're on are called Sky Cycles. Oh. Well, that seems like a legitimate name for those little trouble bubble freaking thingamabobbins. I have nothing to base this on, but I just, going by what the, how, they, how they look, I have to imagine that the sound they make when they move is, if you've watched the, the Jetsons, the sound that their cars make. Brrr. Yes, that is what I assume the, the uh, Sky Cycle, the sound they make. Yeah, it does look like something that would fold up into a freaking briefcase. I have to say, I am super impressed with your Jetson noise. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> that was very good. Yeah, you know, I'm a long-time Hanna-Barbera fan. I, I definitely appreciated their uh, their sound foley or whatever it is that, that did their, all the fantastic work. It shows. Yeah, it was cool. Here, here I'll give you another one. <laughs> So, yeah, anyways. <laughs> uh, Jetsons, they were fun. Did you know there, I, I'm not sure if it's still on the, the agenda, but there's talk, there was talk, at least uh, within the last year, of a live-action Jetsons. Oh, that would be so dope. And the... There was... The, the talk that how they were going to do it was it wasn't that far in the future... And it was it was almost like uh, H.G. Wells, like the time machine, where it was like the everybody lived in these future city, which would have been like the what was like the Eli Eli. I'm trying to remember the name of the book of Eli. Yeah, of the the time trap of H.G. Uh, Wells time traveler, and then you had these oh, more okay. these more like like more lock like people who lived kind of in filth on the surface. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because there was, I think that was an old conspiracy theory people had, was that they were both, the Flintstones and the Jetsons were in the same time, but like the Flintstones were the people that got left behind on Earth while these people live in the sky in a utopia. <laughs> There's also a uh, Lost in Space series coming to Netflix. 
soon. Yes, there is. I was going to mention that, and it definitely looks a little more, uh, a little more grim, dark. Yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> I I do like what they did with um, what's the robot's name? B nine. B nine. Yeah. Uh, they they definitely changed that around a little bit and made it some made it somewhat more interesting. Yeah, I actually have uh, the robot from Lost in Space sitting on a bar two feet from me because I'm a freak nice. like that. Yeah, as when I was a kid, like I'm talking like nine or ten, so it's not, or maybe ten or eleven, so it's not weird. I had the biggest crush on uh, Judy, or not Judy Penny, the uh, youngest daughter from the '60s show. Okay, fair enough. Yes, I was. So I was. It was age appropriate before somebody calls me a creeper. I think she was probably thirteen or fourteen. I was like eleven at the time. Absolutely a okay. Yes, you hear that, everybody? I have validation. Yes, yeah. It doesn't matter that she was probably like in her forties by the time you saw it. <laughs> I tried not to <laughs> dwell on that at the time. <laughs> Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, we get some cool dialogue here. We learn that Adelon's plan is that they were, they were allowed to escape and that every, they're going to la- ride their sky cycles and snow skimmers out and they're going to kill every last Adam. Yes, yes. So, you know, all Adelon's uh, reassurances that we all thought were just, you know, just blanket statements, you know, so he wouldn't get in trouble with his masters. No, he he actually had reasoning behind why he was just kind of being so blithen, just not not concerned about anything. Which it makes sense to me. I mean, he's so convinced that the Martians are superior that humanity doesn't have a chance against them. You could see why he would be this so overconfident. He never doubted for a second that the Martian forces would be victorious. But yeah, he's going to go out there. They're going to kill every last atom. They're going to do this in front of uh, Kill Raven, and they're also going to make him watch as they kill all the free men. And at that point, the sacrificer demands that they bring Kill Raven back alive because he's going to be the sacrificer's artistic triumph. His his torture will be like the culmination of his work. Yep, exactly. It's good to have dreams. Yeah, he's got, he's got dreams. He's going for it. So, well, Adeline kind of gives his speech with Sacrificer, and uh, I believe we're moving on to page 15 now. Indeed. So, Kill Raven and company, our erstwhile heroes, are basically down in what looks like the reactor core of the building. Yep. We get a lot of history, too. Uh, some One might even argue unnecessary history, but we learn that the this is a thermal nuclear fusion reactor. This is where they're, like, the, the power plant of the building, this is where it's housed. And we learn that these are the reactors that uh, were used to create ash. And we also just, like I said, we get this history that thermal nuclear fusion reactors were invented in 1993. Humans invented them in 1993. And it caused a socioeconomic upheaval at the time. That never really gets played on, but again, you can tell, like, the de- this was a lot of detail, a lot of world building that was going on in the series. Yeah, it, it seems to make sense. But, uh, yeah, so they're finding this stuff. Hawk, of course, is, uh, you know, he, he's a little wary, saying he thinks something's wrong. And he gets jumped from behind by, now, if you remember the cover, uh, the, the guy, one of the guys in the same uniform as our guy on the cover, if not the same guy. Yeah, with the helmet on, of course. He is a... And it's oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Different, it's, yeah, it's a different variant of the Death Breeders we've been seeing before. Yeah, he is a Crucible Guardian. 
No, I'm a Crucible Guardian. Okay, I play <laughs> Destiny and I go into the Crucible. My anyways. <laughs> yeah, I, I was looking for Lord Sa- Shacks. The whole issue. This is amazing. Yeah. Anyways, I really love that word bubble of uh, Hawks when he gets caught from behind. Is like, hey, if not, why doesn't the power center of Deathbirth have any? And then there's another word bubble with all these lines to designate that, uh, like he's surprised guards, and it has a exclamation point and a question mark you don't see them play with the the word balloons like that very often it's pretty cool yeah it is definitely very cool and we we come up to one of my favorite panels here um the guard gets to jump on hawk yeah he's got him pinned down he's getting he's bringing a knife in to stab him upside the head with it and the last panel of the page freaking has the crucible guard getting the shit smashed out of the back of his head by like with a piece of wood or something adam 3031 or whatever the hell whoever the hell his name is he basically lays this guy out with a fucking stick and, and it goes back to that all popular theme we have had over the year over over this last god couple of months of somebody just getting brained in the back of the dome with a blunt fucking instrument Traumatic head injuries has been a constant companion throughout these issues. And we're not... Don't worry. We haven't exhausted that yet. We still have some uh, TBIs to go. Exactly. (laughs) So they lay out the guard. We get to our next panel. Guards are swarming in. Everyone is fighting. Killraven is being really thoughtful as he's looking at these energy bars that his predecessor had used already. He looks he looks like he's planning his next move in chess. He he does. He does. He is yeah, he's just staring at these reactors and while well, the rest of the free men are in these this fight for their life or lives because more crucible guardians come in yeah and uh it shit's getting a little dicey now you know shit's getting a little dicey even with and it, it, it's <laughs> it is funny i i love this like this crucible this other crucible guardian comes in and just smacks him upside the back of the head and it doesn't even phase kill raven well i assume he had his uh his bubble out or maybe he had one of those freaking silver stars you know on the back of his head i was gonna say he his striker he had used his uh his bubble ward, but uh yeah, destiny uh destiny talk aside, yeah he gets brained in the back of the head with a titanium pipe. This guy hits him as hard as he can in the back of the fucking head with a titanium pipe, and Kill Raven barely notices it, which is hilarious because this guy's just like, but 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 I just I just hit you over the head, didn't I? That 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 bar solid titanium, isn't it? And, like, Killer even barely says anything to him. He just freaking lays the dude out. I have to say, I misjudged the situation. Because I thought he was, like, communing some way with the reactor, and there was, like, something with his power or something, like, supernatural going on, and that's why the titanium pipe didn't hurt, uh, hurt him. Absolutely nothing of the kind. That was my fault for for making an assumption of why a titanium pipe wouldn't hurt him. Yeah, he was just so fucking lost in his own thoughts that, you know, the the thing just bounced off his head and did a really minimal amount of damage. I... I can't wait till we we get to where what he was thinking about so intently here because I'm gonna lose my shit. <laughs> okay, well let's keep going then. I, I like that uh, Kill Raven pines for Mashula a little bit because Mashula would have watched his back while he was deep in thought on nothing. Which again, mm-hmm. I, I I thought this was a bit 
of the asshole Kill Raven coming through that it's somebody else's responsibility to watch out for him when he's not paying attention. Exactly, and he tends to do that fairly often. Yeah, he externalizes a lot of blame. <laughs> so, yeah, and we get this bitching panel of Volcana, right? She's getting jumped by another one of these freaking uh, Death Eaters or Death death Breeders. Death Breeders. And Crucible he, Guardians. Is this a Crucible? Oh, yeah, it is a Crucible Guardian. You're right. Yeah, he tries to choke her out, and she's, like, completely unfazed and just, like, switches on the fucking heat and just burns this dude to a crisp. Yeah, she looks pretty evil there when he's on the ground, like, smoking. That mm-hmm. is quite an evil look on her face. But, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, she just doesn't react and just roasts the guy. Mm-hmm. No problem. Just fricassees him. I love it. I... This this exchange with Hawk and Killraven on the last two panels was a little uh, comedic. Because <laughs> Hawk is pissed, and deservedly so. While they were all fighting for their lives, fucking Killraven just sat staring into space. And he doesn't explain why. And it's just like where they went for like four months uh, on a cross-country trip, and he didn't explain to them what they were doing. He's still grappling. We've gotten such a, a better kill rave in the last couple of months, but he's still in some ways that same dick. Yeah, like he's he just, still that same dick. He doesn't understand why somebody, why, hey, I'm trying to think about this. Cover me for a minute would be important. Or, hey, maybe I should inform my team what's going on. Some kill raven dicketry. Yeah, well, he's expecting them to watch his back. And I... This is a fun... In my notes, the exact line I have is, this is a reversion to the dickish secretive uh, kill raven. It's a return to his dicketry. And I love that I have notes that can say shit like this. But so, he is so fucking proud of himself that he came up with a way to destroy Deathbirth. And he's so proud of this. Like, this is like a, a, a brilliant plan. And so when we turned to the next page, I was really expecting something great, and I lost my shit. I lost my fucking shit with what his plan was. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, so it, anyways, it cuts over to uh, Sacrificer and uh, Adelon. And, and they're in hot pursuit, aren't they? I think you skipped a page. Oh, you're right. Wow. I did. My um, bad. Yeah, so so yeah, so there is yeah, this the fucking sword. Okay. <laughs> Old Skull takes Hawk and Adam and Eve to a snow skipper, and mm-hmm. Kill Raven puts Hawk in charge of the skimmer. And so we get this ironic bit of dialogue from Old uh, from Old Skull, where I hope you're uh, a less crazy driver than Mashula, which we've seen Old Skull drive before, and our theory was that he crashed the out-of-control yep. Dynaglider, and it took them hours to find him. So I found that really funny that he was commenting on Mashula's driving. But now we get to see what Kill Raven's master, just intricate plan is, layered plan to destroy the fusion reactors. His brilliant plan is that he, he pulls out an ionic knife, which is a regular knife, except for that as soon as it breaks the skin, it can shoot ionic energy destroying any organs in its path in a victim. So his brilliant and uh, layered plan to destroy the fusion reactor is he stabs it with a knife. Yep. So I just... Yeah, I just, how is that brilliant? Because we that was how I assumed it was always going to go. We're going to shoot it, or volcanic ash is going to 
shoot flames at it, or we were going to use an explosive. So using a weapon to hit it, that was just that's how they do take care of everything. So I don't understand why he had to zone out for five minutes during a fight to come up with that. Well, I have nothing to offer as far as an explanation for that behavior. It's like if you're playing uh, War with somebody, like the card game War, and somebody has to think for five minutes on their next move. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, this made... I lost my shit here, and I know I, I keep harping on it, but this was just so ridiculous. You I wasted agree. like a panel or a page worth of shit to explain something that absolutely didn't need an explanation. Right. So yeah. He, Fuck he, you, Don McGregor. He cuts it. He he stabs the freaking the tank, and, and now everyone's beating feet and getting the fuck out of dodge. Yes. Yes, with his brilliant plan now set into motion. All right, so we go back, and uh, you've got Sacrificer and Adelon going back and forth again. Yes. Uh, there is this giant pod-looking thing that freaking deploys out of somewhere in Chicago, right? Is that that pod? Yeah. On, on 22? Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's debris falling off. My bad. Yes. It's all debris yeah, falling it... off the building. Okay, I misread that. I thought that was a pod or something, but no. It's basically that the uh, it's going into self-destruct mode, and I guess shit's just falling off the building. Yeah, I imagine when those reactors went up that that sent debris for probably at least a mile or so. Yeah, well, I don't even think the, the, the reactor was part of the actual building. I thought it was just on the exterior of one, one of the uh, buildings assigned to that complex or something. I have to say, the way that they drew things, it made it hard for me to to determine, and it sounds like it was the same way for you, if this is, if death birth was all just inside that tower, or if the tower was a central was a central say structure, and a lot of the stuff was on on the outside. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. It was a li- little confusing. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it looks like everything was part of the tower, but I I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I I went back and forth on that because there were because I kept assuming like all the slave pens were inside the tower, but then there's some parts in this issue where it looks like they might be outside, like kind of surrounding the tower. And I'm wondering if it's just not us being slightly confused. Maybe if we like just took all those parts from all the issues, we might see that it's being drawn inconsistently. Right. Right. So. Food for thought. Food for thought. Moving on. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm looking at it again. I thought you would be excited. On page 23, oh, well, on 22, we do see that Adelon does sob uh, as <laughs> as Kill Raven predicted, which I thought was uh, was pretty cool. But I thought you'd be excited by page 23 here because we have a return of two of your favorite characters. I enjoy them as well, Mashula and uh, Camilla, okay. and we get to check in on Grok. Yeah, you know, this was one of those like something I wanted to happen two things I wanted to happen we're on the cusp of happening and of course KR fucking comes in and fucks it up Actually, yeah, a lot of cool interesting shit happens on this page well they're back at Meg's airfield uh, and it looks like they can see the explosion in the in like the distance. Yeah. Camilla was out. Looks like she was like going for a walk. She asks Mashula how Grok is doing. He's she says he's he's doing no better or worse. 
Camilla seems quite depressed and actually really like detached here. And good, I, I think they do a good job of just conveying her uh, her emotional state there. And Mashula is pretty cool here. He lets her know that even though he doesn't know anything about Grok and she's been super secretive, Mashula lets Camilla know that despite the fact that she hasn't told them anything about Grok and his identity, that he won't press her. Uh, and will let her tell him on or and kill Raven in her own time. No, Mashula com- wants to press her. Mashula really wants to press her. <laughs> Indeed, but he does. He does comment to her how weird Grok's appearance is, and if he was cloned from a human, why doesn't he look human? Why does he look the way he does? And so Camilla gives him some more information. Like again, every issue it's like we get a little bit more inf- just another nugget of info. Yes. It was because he was cloned after he died and she they lean in and they are about to kiss and as she's also about to to give Mashula some, uh, the information he's uh, looking for that Grok is my dot 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 and like you said, like an oblivious bull in a china shop, Kill Raven blunders in and of interrupts course. the scene. Yeah, and, and Mashula, uh, I will say this page, the interaction between him and Mashula is, as always, fucking funny. Even, I, I, I think even Camilla, like, it seems like there's just good nature ribbing between all three of them, and it, in the past, it always has seemed very emotionally charged, like, negatively, and it's just, everybody here is, uh, seems to just have a wry, kind of amused look on their face. So I'd say there's a lot of camaraderie in this, even though there's annoyance from Camilla or from uh, Mashula, and I like that. It seems like they are they kind of move past some of the uh, tension that's been there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I definitely appreciate that, and I, I <laughs> uh, just the back and forth was pretty fun. I enjoyed it, and then uh, basically Kill Raven's just like, dude, we got to get out of here. Yeah, I kind of a uh, you know knocked down this building and pissed off a lot of people so maybe maybe we should go and uh we learn that well that adam tells the group that they're gonna have to stop someplace along the way because the baby is coming which we've heard now repeatedly right show me a baby or shut up at this point yeah (laughs) show me the money okay so yeah and uh we also we end this uh this page yeah with kill raven he's uh he's back on his serpent stallion Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's one more, another cool part here is like yeah, he gets on a serpent stallion. You've got all the snow skimmers. Yeah, it's a big chase scene. Mashula tells Kill Raven he should just let the serpent stallion go free. It won't be fast enough for to escape. So I assume that meant that, or this exchange kind of meant that the snow was slowing down the the stallion because Kill Raven's like it, it won't always there won't always be snow on the ground. But yeah, Mashula's like we should just just let it go. We gotta we we gotta get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I, my takeaway from that was that the snow skimmers were in fact only surface air surface craft. Yeah, I I just I guess because of the Dyna gliders, I I assumed when they first found them, and the, the word skimmers, well, I think had led me to believe that they were like probably hover vehicles. But yeah, whenever we see them in action, that yeah, there's nothing there that leads me to believe they uh 
that they 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 aren't land based. Right. So you know, of course, Killraven being Killraven is stubborn, and he's like, "No, fuck you! I'm keeping my horse." And like you said, the the chase begins. We get some overhead shots of just all these vehicles coming after them. Yeah. It, well, basically, our our heroes kind of peel off in different directions, and the uh, Death Breeders and Crucible Guards and all those guys give chase. We see that Mashula is driving a skimmer with volcanic ash next to, to him, and she confirms Old Skull's hypothesis that Mashula gets kind of crazy when he gets behind the wheel. Why? She keeps calling him kinky. Why do you <laughs> think she, she's calling him kinky? It's because he's black, man. Okay? Because of his hair. That's that was... Why. That was the hypothesis that I had as well, that she was making reference to black hair sometimes being kinky, so this seemed very uh, racist to me. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. You think a mutant <sighs> firewoman would be more tolerant? Yeah, I mean, well, what, what the hell is he going to call her? Fucking, I don't know, Easy Bake? Yes, I think that works <laughs> quite nicely. That was a nice little riff off the cuff, but I think it works. Uh, that'd be great. He just calls her Easy Bake, and he's kinky. Uh, that'd work. I could take that. That'd be that'd be a good quid pro quo. Yeah, we we assume that Mud Brother was racist, and uh, just outwardly, and it it wasn't outwardly racist, but it definitely I think had a racist connotation because the only it's oh it's people who are the same from vastly different backgrounds. Hit Mashula and Gilraven have the same background, except for he was a black slave in the gladiatorial pens, and Gilraven was a white slave in the gladiatorial pens. There was no difference in their origin story. That but is the, a vast difference. You know, some mel- melatonin is a huge difference, man. So, I... It's just funny how tolerant this comic I think they tried to make and for the 70s I'm sure it was but there was a lot of uh, ingrained racism here that I just don't think that they saw yeah there is a little bit they throw in there but um yeah so uh yeah she uh Volcana comments on his driving you know just like when I drive with my wife when my wife comments on my driving I drive really rapidly between two extremely close objects that I can barely skirt through so I can make the guy behind me crash Hey, it's an old chestnut, but a good one, and it looks really cool in this scene where he drives between some trees, and the uh, either the Death Breeders or the Crucible Guardians, we can't see which, are, is driving. They're not so lucky going between the trees. They don't have the skill, and they end up exploding, hitting a tree. Very cool. Yeah, so it cuts over to KR, and he's getting chased by three... Uh snow skimmers yes oh wait no is the pink one theirs or is it one of you know one of the freemans i believe that's mashula's it the the text here led me to believe that he kind of cut off the, the the death breeders trying to run interference for kill raven okay we'll go with that so yeah uh mashula's on you know serpent stallion back and he's going for it or kr is my bad and uh yeah, we get this cool, like, cliff face and a dramatic, like, he's got a stop moment. How many cliff faces are there in Illinois? I, I don't know. I don't think I've really been to Illinois. I I, I've been there. I've been to Chicago a few times, and I have not seen any cliff faces like this. But I think we explain the same thing with the cliff outside of the da- Daytona 500, that there must have been some seismic shifts when the Martians took over. Right. The Midwest is now full of cliffs. Exactly, because, I mean, I remember going through Missouri and Kansas, and those were, like, incredibly boring states to drive through. 
Yeah, the Midwest does not have a lot of mountainous terrain, so all these cliffs are a bit baffling to me. Mm. But yeah, so you've got um, the uh, Death Breeders, Crucible Guardians, whatever, you know, closing in on him on the edge of this cliff, and you've got freaking Adelon and the Sacrificer closing in on their little air bikes, air bicycles, or whatever you want to call those damn things. They're Sky Cycles, each sold separately? Yes, they're Sky Cycles, each sold separately. And that Killraven's stuck on the corner, you know, on the very edge of this cliff. And what does he do? What does Killraven do? He, he reenacts the cover. Exactly. He does what Killraven always does. He jumps off of a perfectly good mode of conveyance onto <laughs> another one. Yeah, that's quite the callback. This is we've seen this quite often. Good call. Yeah, and it's it's quite a the the cover I think did quite a good job of depicting this. Because yeah, he jumps right off of his uh, serpent stallion, jumps in the vehicle, beats the shit out of these guys, and makes fun of them while doing it. We learn that one of the guy's names is uh, Clarence because the Crucible Guardian tells the Death Raider to shoot him, uh, Clarence. Yeah, come on, Clarence. You can do better than that. Clar- uh, Clarence, your marksmanship is terrible, Kill Raven says, as he's just kicking his ass. And, and it's, it looks like Clarence is knocked unconscious, and I'm assuming he just pushed the Crucible Guardian out of the vehicle because I don't see him in it in that last panel. No, I think he went off the edge. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out because this here makes me think maybe those things can fly. How? How? Uh, when you get to page 32 and you look at the top panel, the first panel, how the fuck did Killraven jump that far? There's a lot on this page that doesn't make sense because it it doesn't look like their their vehicles fell off the cliff. Like, when he jumps off the the pink uh, skimmer, it absolutely looks like it's flying. Yeah, yeah, it looks exactly like it's flying. But when we see on the previous pages, you can see the tracks they left in the snow. So they exactly. weren't flying there. Yeah, so I, I definitely see why you're confused. I'm baffled. So, right, so first you have, you know, okay, so Kill Raven took, jumped on an enemy snow skimmer, kicks the shit out of everybody, while the snow skimmer is driving off of a cliff. It was already driving off of the cliff when he jumped onto it, right? Kills everybody, beats him up, whatever. And then he jumps, and it makes it look like he's jumping like a good 50 feet laterally from his original direction of travel. What confused me with this as well was that, and maybe I I assumed that Killraven's skimmer had gone off the cliff first. Because, yeah, you can see... It looks like Mashula's in the background going off, like, it looks like second. So how would... Yes. But then it looks like Mashula's is ahead of Killraven when he falls into it. Right. So, yeah. And, and, yeah, Killraven jumps over, and, yeah, you see he grabs hold of one of the skis and, I guess, has enough time to scramble up and get on board or something. Or, I don't know, maybe he lets go and jumps off before the impact. I don't know. That's what it looks like, is that he's, he's... climbs onto one of the skis and then before it touches down he jumps to safety and i guess the only thing i can come to is that these things can't fly but there's a turbine on the back like a jet engine so maybe it's going so fast that when it they went off the cliff it didn't fall the momentum carried it forward so it was able to had so much speed could fly negate the gravity and go so fast that it could kind of catch up with the ground. Does that make sense? 
Do you get uh, what I'm yeah. I'm, I'm suspending a lot of disbelief. Oh, sure. I'm not saying that that's a plausible explanation, but that's the only <laughs> thing I can come to. It's not like these... So maybe you can move the jet up and down, so they're like, oh, you can take these up in the mountain, and they can maybe go from mountain to mountain, but it doesn't necessarily have, like, wings, so you would have enough lift to lift off the ground yourself. Oh, okay, so it's like a, a vector thrust system that gives it a little bit of air braking. I don't know why that would be practical or why you would build something like that, but yeah, it's it's real weird. Yeah, okay, I'll take it. This page may... Not only is this super confusing, because that doesn't make any sense, so this, this just really pissed me off. So our it looks like our heroes got away, they're on the ground, and we can see Adelon and the Sacrificer still up on the cliff and kind of watching them get away. So... Kill Raven just lost his fucking uh, stallion, his serpent stallion, because we last saw the serpent stallion on the on the cliff. He's been carrying that now, like for four fucking issues, and he rode it for five minutes and it's gone. Mm-hmm. What the what the fuck? And he just leaves it to like freeze to death in like the the mountains of Illinois. Yeah, it'll find its way back to him. What was the point of what? How many pages have we seen that fucking horse on? To now have it just lose, like lost for no reason. Uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's it's gonna find its way back. Kill Raven is gonna. I don't know. Something's gonna happen where he 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 can no longer use a boat or whatever he was using to transport the damn horse, and the snow's gonna melt. So the horse will be irregular in the series. Watch. I'm hoping that's right. I think we've seen the last of the the serpent. Which again, it's just. What was the point of... It was cool. Yeah, but we've you've shown him for multiple pages, and your payoff is he wrote him for three panels? But it was cool. I just... You would think that you spent so much time on something, there would be a payoff. And also, it just... This seems like a... It, the ending of this kind of reminds me of the ending of last issue. His last issue, he just kicked two guys, and they were knocked unconscious on the ground. It wasn't really a fulfilling conclusion. And this one, we just see Adelon throwing kind of a temper tantrum because he thinks there might be some uh, non-existent like dirt on his uniform, and him and Sacrifice are just sort of like watching them slowly get away. <laughs> but next, we get the day that the monument shattered, which, if you guys, like I pointed out the front, if you guys remember, that's how uh, issue twenty-eight had ended. The day that the monument shattered. Oh, what a glorious day! Again. It's the day my sanity shattered. Just the the flying, non-flying sky, or, uh, snow skimmers. And Kill Raven having to spend five minutes in intricate, deep thought to come up with the, I'll stab it with something. <laughs> <laughs> and just the be- issue beginning with the these two guys that I had just taken out single-handedly, also while they had five guards. Quick, we gotta book it. And the reason that we gotta book it, it's because Eve is gonna give pregnant or give birth any minute, except for she doesn't. And I know it's not that she's gonna give birth. It's like we don't want to have a big fist fight while there's a pregnant woman around. Really? Because you ended the last issue with Kill Raven fighting eight guys at once. So why didn't? <laughs> None of it makes sense. You know, it was like a, a second thought moment, you know. 
<laughs> did he have to consider his actions? Yeah, it took him eight minutes while there was a firefight going on. Well, I mean, you you saw, you know, Kill Raven's kind of a slow, ponderous thinker. Man, I just look. I I do like parts of this issue. Just some parts of this issue that, if you think about it all, you shine any sort of like light on, it just falls apart. Yeah, I will. I will give you that. There, that's for sure. <laughs> Like, there are several times where I just, I lost my shit reading this. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Well, I mean, all in all, it, it's, I think it resolved the death life or life death freaking city and the new, and the death breeders and uh, the whole tower situation, I would say, has been rather successfully resolved now. Yeah, and it's, we have, uh, it looks like we've set up sacrificer and adelon are going to be chasing kill raven and if you remember last issue we had scar in uh his tripod chasing down kill raven as well so i think we have a, a cool almost like the the fugitive situation going on yes or if you're an a-team fan scar is colonel decker and adelon and uh uh sacrificer or colonel lynch yeah, I'm just wondering what they're going to do next and where they're going to go next. I mean, are are they still on the path to Yellowstone like they were pre- previously? I do believe so. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because Chicago is... Is it due west? No, Chicago's east of Detroit, isn't it? It's uh west. Well, it's... Chicago. No, Wisconsin is west. Chicago, you would drive south and west. Okay, Chicago Southwest. Okay, it's the next lake over. Got it. Sorry, I'm visualizing in my head. You should look at the cover for the next issue. You'll be very happy. Okay. Bear with me, and I will get it queued up. And I'm not going to tell the reader what is, or our listener what is there. They're going to have to wait the the few weeks here. But uh, this cover makes me very excited. It makes you, oh boy, okay. This will be issue number 30. Yes. Don't tell me it's an unsupported file type, you douchebag. I got this. I got this. It takes a second because I have to export it, but... Wait a minute. This might be a fraud. I'm I'm going through the, the issue. What? I think it's... <gasps> oh my gosh. I think... How cool. No, I think it's fraudulent. Why? Well, we, we'll, we'll have to wait for next issue to get to that. But, uh, yeah, that's... I'm pretty excited if that's, uh... If this if this isn't a dream, if this isn't a an illusion, if that's actually how it goes down, it very well may be. Uh, you know what? I yeah, I don't think it's a dream or an illusion, but I don't think it's what you think it is, what you initially thought it would be. I shall we say? I just flipped through the issue a little bit, and yeah, it looks like it's a tease. Yeah, but it's a good tease, and yes, it is. Um, how can I describe it? It is definitely one of those um, recap issues. Yes, that's what it looks like. Well, uh, it does have some lovely art, and we'll get to it next time. I like how they logo made everyone a cool logo. That looks dope. Yes. But anyway, yeah, we're getting into the next one. I don't want to get off into those woods right now. Nope. No. As tempted as I am, I'll have to wait till next time. And the issue after that has a quite an exciting milestone that I've been fucking on the edge of my seat. I can't wait to talk about. Ooh. Well, that's... Jeez, that'll, that'll be a little ways to go. Yeah. 
but our faithful la- fans, they'll wait for it. And if they're uh, if they can't wait for their fix of uh, their favorite Kill Raven themed podcast, they can always write to us at comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail dot com and let us know what they think and what's going on and what they're reading. Yep, uh, they can also uh, DM me on Instagram at comic book dungeon podcast on Instagram. And, uh, you know, if you need to get in touch with us, that's another way. Mark's got the Twitter at, um, what is it, Broken LMD? Yep, you got it. Model Decoy. Yep, you got it. So, uh, yeah, let us know. Let us know, please. Yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got. This issue was uh, an emotional roller coaster that at times is very fulfilling, at other times is very unfulfilling. Yes, it was definitely a very, um, com- I'm not going to say it was super complex, but it was very kinetic, a lot of action, a lot of switching scenes back and forth, which uh, made one have to read it a little more carefully. And there was also a lot of stuff that you really had to suspend some disbelief for. <laughs> but all in all, it was a, a solid Kill Raven issue, uh, a lot of fun, a couple of laughs. And some ass is getting kicked. I laughed, I cried, I wanted to throw my reader across the room. It was good. <laughs> it was great. So, uh, unless you've got anything else, Mark. Well, my final thought is, if you're like me and you try to learn something from each issue, what I learned is, if your absolute like ultimate life goal is to find a long-lost relative, what you should do is, when you meet them, say one word to them, then walk away and never speak to them again. That is uh, truly some sage advice. (laughs) On that note, everybody, keep turning those pages. Have a good one. Enjoy your reading. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Oh, that's a wrap. Who fucking does that? No fucking idea, dude. That was fucking funny, though. Getting up and going down Hiding low, looking right to left If you see us coming, I think it's best you Move away, do you hear what I say? From under my breath
one could belong Searchlight on my trail Tonight's the night All systems fail Hey you Good looking female Come here Oh, God.